Hello, friends, and welcome back to the College Football Early Line Look Ahead Show. I am Thor Nystrom, joined by Eric Froton. Chris Welsh is out today, so Froton and I are students without a teacher. We're going to be shooting spitballs and hopefully giving you guys out some winners. Froton, very, very fun weekend of college football that we just got out of. What were your biggest takeaways? Oh, geez. Biggest takeaways are USC, Washington. Where is the defense? I mean, we always knew that the Grinch was busy. You know, he should have been stealing <laughs> Christmas as opposed to calling defenses. But, I mean, Washington, too. You know, you can't say enough about how vulnerable I think this team looks with them playing Utah, Oregon State, and Wazoo coming up. I mean, I think they're invulnerable and could possibly dump one of those three games to ruin the magical season for the Huskies. Well, yeah, Mr. Grinch is going to have plenty more time for Christmas, isn't he? He's going to have plenty of time for Christmas shopping after he got fired here uh, this afternoon on Sunday as we yes. record. Very finally interesting got there. The tarmac treatment. We finally gave him the Kiffin tarmac treatment. You know, they, they, completely justified. Finally did, yeah, and, and we'll get more into the Alex Grinch firing here as we go, but but let's dive right into the card here for, for next week, and, and like I said, hopefully give out some winners, get some early bets that people can get in on, uh, get some line value and whatnot. We'll, we'll start out with a weekday game here, uh, Virginia and Louisville, showing a live line here of Louisville minus 18 and a half. What are you seeing in the market on this one, Broton? Well, first off, Thor, as anybody from the region would tell you, it's Louisville. Louisville. Not Louisville, it's Louisville. I'm from up north for a ton. I got a tough time with that pronunciation. <laughs> okay, but uh, with that line, gosh, we got an open at 17 and a half uh, with obviously Louisville as the favorite since they are hosting and they, I mean, they destroyed Virginia Tech this week. Um, but it opened up the total at 46 and a half with a notable move to 51 and a half in short order. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, we expected Jawar Jordan, their all-conference caliber running back, uh, to be injured. He played. James Thrash was out. He didn't play. But it didn't even matter. I mean, Virginia Tech could do nothing against that Louisville defense. And if you look at, you know, they're playing Virginia. Virginia, you know, they didn't look too good, obviously, this past week. And they lost their quarterback, the unpredictable Tony Musket. You know, you don't know what he's going to be, but he's always interesting in comes Anthony Coheed and Calandria. There's one. There's one for you, prog rockers out yeah, there good. from the '90s and early aughts. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, it just simply did not have the same efficacy. I think that you know that accounts for the tick up in both the total and for this line. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about the 18 and a half where it currently sits. For, well, first, would you mind telling the people the story of Scott Bell in the 50-team league as far as starting Tony Musket? I, I feel like we need to immortalize that story of starting Tony Musket in the 50-team league. Well, I, I actually, I, I didn't get a chance to look at it. He started Tony Musket this yeah. week? So, okay, um, I'll, I'll tell the people. Scott Bell ends up – so Scott Bell works for the, the Dallas Morning uh, News. We we had the 50-team first round uh, of the playoffs this past weekend. Scott Bell needed an emergency starting quarterback uh, to start. So he ends up signing Tony Musket, the Virginia starting quarterback, on Friday off the waiver wire to plug into his lineup. He ends up losing his game by a fraction of a point, by like oh, point, right. Right. 0.2 points or whatever. Tony Musket gets knocked out of the game against Georgia Tech on the first drive, but not before he turned the ball over and had negative, you know, a, a point or whatever. If Bell had just started nobody, he would have won his game. 
but because he started musket, or, or no, he got sacked. I'm sorry. So, so it wasn't it wasn't the turnover point. It was that he had negative, you know, whatever a negative eight yards rushing yeah, or whatever. Rushing, yeah, yeah. So the fractional negative point of musket got him got Bell the loss. Uh, sorry, Mister. I, I also lost in the first round of the 50 teamer playoffs. So we 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 both got to score it out. Uh, but tough times and tough times for for Virginia as a whole on that one. Um, but yeah, Louisville playing playing good ball and that defense playing very well. They didn't even need Plummer in that game. You know, even the banged up guys like you were mentioning playing really well. Uh, my line on that game, you were alluding to it before. Uh, and I'm not even, I'm just going to say the Cardinals for a ton because I'm going to stay away from the pronunciation uh, is Cardinals minus 20.7 at home in that one. And for a ton, as you know, that stadium during those weeknight games gets rocking. Um, this Virginia team going there, especially if they have to start that true freshman quarterback. I don't know about that one. I don't know about that proposition. You got to go there. And like you're mentioning, the Cardinals defense playing very well now. I don't know about that one. I, for me, that one would be uh, Cardinals or pass. Uh, you can't, I don't see how you take Virginia here on the road, freshman quarterback. He, he actually scored a touchdown on the first drive he led and then proceeded to do, I mean, next to nothing for the rest of that game. Uh, dangerous spot here. I don't see how you can take Virginia. Dangerous spot. Yeah. And, and the Cardinals moving in on, on what's looking to be now special season. Mr. Brom and his homecoming. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, n- next game here. We got a marquee one. Uh, Michigan traveling to Penn State. Can Penn State play spoilers? I know there's a lot of coaches around the country that would love Penn State to, to rise up here and knock Michigan off. Penn State at home, live in the market here as we record early Sunday evening, plus five and a half at home. What are you seeing with this one, Froton? Yeah, you know, this is another fairly heavy mover. This opened at minus five, uh, which is, you know, it, excuse me, it opened at seven on FanDuel, opened at five on Circa. We're currently sitting at five and a half, but in addition to that, so you have variance just between the books, but in addition, Opened up at 48 and a half on Circa for a total. That's down to 44 and a half on FanDuel. That's kind of more indicative of what you're seeing in the non-Vegas market. Uh, that's a four-point differential in terms of that. And it just goes to show where I don't think the market believes that Penn State can score on this Michigan defense. I think they're looking at what they did against Ohio State, only put up 12 points against uh you know, the Buckeyes, and that was another low scoring affair. I think that's kind of what the reaction is that we're looking at from just the open to where we sit now at the record time. Yeah, for sure. My my line on this game is Michigan minus 3.6. But yeah, that's that's the big question for a time. You hit on it. Can Penn State's offense score whatsoever on Michigan's defense? And then, of course, the question on the other side is Michigan playing a real opponent this time. Fine. What is going to happen? And and I know some other people are like, well, Thor, say the other question, which is Michigan playing a real opponent without getting their signs in advance. So I'm, we'll have to see, right? Uh, and Michigan, I, or I'm sorry, Penn State, I will give them credit. Last week playing Maryland, you know, you're like, Penn State had played, they'd had the couple dud performances in a row, and then they're going on the road to Maryland. You're like, what are they going to do in this one? You know, I, it looked like a spot where potentially they could get picked off and upset, you know, and 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 maybe the season's going to go down the drain here. They came out and walloped 
Maryland, Wallop, Maryland, in, in, in a spot for Maryland that profiled as the revenge spot of all time. Uh, uh, Baby Tua has not played well against Penn State. Maryland has not played well against Penn State in the past. Uh, Penn State was a little bit banged up. And that's, you know, you have to monitor uh, some of the injury reports from Penn State this week because of that. Um, that'll be important to, to, to check on some of those key players that were, that were down or dinged up for them. But Penn State rose up off the mat. Um, that was something you wanted to see heading into this game, especially it being the look-ahead spot with Michigan on deck. So I like to see that. And, of course, Michigan – or I'm sorry, Penn State has the awesome defense as well to counteract Michigan's offense. Michigan got to rise up here in, in competition. Penn State's already played good good teams up till now. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. Penn State has, has, has played the, the good competition, whereas Michigan hasn't. My system says that there's a little bit of, of line value on Penn State. You, you go through the key number of four. It, this is going to be a low-scoring game. You have that total in the low 40s. My early lean in this game would be on Penn State and what I expect to be a, a, a low-scoring game, but we're definitely going to be digging into this one more as the week goes on. It's not an early week bet for me because I need to dig into the, uh, specifically the injury reports in, 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 in this game. I want to see who is active on both teams and what's the status of, of those guys and whatnot, but this is going to be a very interesting game to dig into this week. Absolutely, and when it yeah. comes to the, to the injury reports too, I will actually be at Penn State, at you know, Michigan at Penn State. I will be on the field, oh. and I will be looking forward Love to it. it as much as possible. Like, I, you know, obviously we have to do the show. It's a noon kick. I'll be doing from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. my live show, but I'm going to try to get out there as soon as possible to see who is out there, who is dressed, and who is on the field to the best of my ability to do that reporting because, as we all know, we can't rely on local beat reporters to tell us the truth. For sure. Yeah, I mean, the, they're the megaphones for the coaches. They yeah, just re- relay exactly what they're telling. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not out there parsing anything. They're just telling you, yeah, relaying. Um, moving to the SEC now, Alabama. Impressive performance by Alabama. Alabama, they started out the season exactly how I thought they were going to be. I, I was pessimistic about them over the summer. Froton, as you know, we met up in Canton in, in, in August. But they have the, – the coaching job has been fabulous, you know, ever since, you know, mid to late September. You know, the, the South Florida game after that, that was sort of the come-to-Jesus moment. And Milrow, you got to tip your hat to the kid. You know, like I never thought in his entire career he was going to get to the point of where he is right now, right? Like the running and the athleticism for that kid, it speaks for itself. The the arm and and the pocket presence and stuff like that, it's it's it, every week it goes up and up and up. Like I did, I thought Jalen Milrow was going to play in the NFL. I didn't think it was going to be at the quarterback position. <laughs> right. I, you know, I, I like I was Sean Johnson I, plan, in other words. Yes, exactly. The, yeah. The switch. Like I, I was I was I was banging the drum for a, a position switch. Jalen Milrow is going to play in the NFL and it is going to be a quarterback. And if he keeps progressing like this, it is going to be in a lot higher round than I was initially anticipating because he has both the uh, crazy running utility. He also has, again, a shocking amount of pocket presence. He plays behind that sieve of an offensive line and there's always guys flying around him and whatnot. And he keeps his, his, you know, his head about him and whatnot. Like, you know, he doesn't allow the, uh, he doesn't convert the sacks, the pressures into sacks, you know, on his own accord, whatnot. And the uh, ability to test the defense down the field, 
um, and, and drop the balls into buckets, stuff like that, has been extremely impressive this year. He's going to have to keep working on the intermediate accuracy, different stuff like that, of course. But the the progress has been very impressive so far. Alabama was a bit aided last night at, I mean, we have to say it by, by the Jaden Daniels injury, everything like that allowed them to, to pull away at the end there by a couple touchdowns. Now Alabama coming off that huge win, they turn around, they're traveling to Kentucky next, uh, this coming Saturday, right now in the market, we have a line in this game for a ton. And, and, you know, some of these lines are, you know, even as we talk, they're, they're it's toggling, possible. toggling. Uh, Alabama right now, I'm seeing 10 and a half point favorite at Kentucky. What are you seeing with this one? Yeah, this is actually, it not only was the 10 and a half, it opened at 12 on Circa, the sharpest sports book in the world. Um, but the total that they opened up opened at 51 and a half, currently down to 47. You can find us, you know, maybe a couple 46 and a halves if you go and look for it. And I think that really speaks more to what we're getting out of Kentucky and Devin Leary you know, as opposed to what we're getting out of Alabama. Because like you said, last night, LSU's defense has been much maligned and deservedly so. But, I mean, Jalen Miller entered that game as with the worst 36.5% pressure to sack rate in the entire Power Five. And he looked magnificent. Like you said, navigating the pocket, resetting his eyes. He missed Isaiah Bond on a surefire uh, touchdown down the sidelines after he broke the pocket. But he just made up for it and ran because both him and Daniels went, I mean, over 150 yards each on the rushing side. But Milrow is built, like you said, he's built like Jaquinda Jackson. He's built like Rashawn Johnson, you know, two of the more recent QB to running back uh, conversions. He's checked. Jalen Milrow, I mean, uh, excuse me, on the other side, um, you know, Jaden Daniels, he's about a buck 80, buck 85. I saw him this year. He was one of the counselors at the Elite 11 camp in Redondo Beach for the Elite 11 finals. And it's noticeable how skinny he is. It's If you're going to run your quarterback that much in the teeth of Alabama's defense, you're, that's what you're going to get. Milrow is jiggity jacked. And he was, able to, he was able to do it. And he was able to do it all day long with no problems, despite the fact the previous two games he was in negative rushing yardage territory. It's like Saban was saving him for when they needed to really break out that game script. And they did against LSU. You could, I, I wouldn't see, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't do it again at Kentucky. You know, another like a slow moving team doesn't want to go and whip the ball around if they don't have to, or put themselves into danger with a mediocre quarterback with a, you know, slightly below average arm in Devin Leary. So, um, you know, this is a dangerous spot for Kentucky, even on the road. If Alabama can continue to do what they did uh, against LSU, it's going to be a long day for the Wildcats. Yeah, um, something to keep an eye on here. Devin Leary's status, uh, he got uh, poked in the eye uh, or something in his eye. You know, there, there was an eye issue in, in, in the game, uh, Kentucky game yesterday. So something to, to something to keep and forgive the pun. Something to keep an eye on uh, there. I I have not seen an uh, an update on that one. He, he left the game briefly uh, in in the third quarter uh, uh, yesterday. So we'll see. Um, you know he's in the injury tent for a bit, and he you know he did come back, but uh, we'll have to see. You know, but between the the you know there was a shoulder thing, and then the, the eye thing. So we'll have to see, I, I, you know, I would anticipate that he's going to be fine for this game, but that is something to, to check on because there, there was a couple, you know, minor scares as far as that thing goes. But assuming that, that Leary's fine, uh, stuff like that, 
Uh, my line is right where Vegas is on this one. You know, depending on the book you're looking at right now, we're either at 10 and a half or 11. My line on this game is Alabama minus 10.6. So, so I'm right there. Uh, you know, Alabama coming out the big win. Now you go on the road. This would not be a bet for me right now. Froton, you mentioned uh, Kentucky. They're going to try to play physical. They're going to slow the tempo down. Uh, what you know? What is Alabama's prerogative in this one? You know th- they are going to try to run a little bit more, uh, different stuff like that. We'll see how it goes. It would not be an early week bet for me. As far as the 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 strategy yesterday, I am still upset that the Milrow overpassing did not get there, and it was a freebie. But then uh, LSU was just like, "Hey Jalen, take as many yards as you want running. Like, yeah, just go ahead." And so, yeah, I mean, like some of those freebie passes, like you were mentioning, Milrose, like, oh, no, I'll just take the free 30 yards that is right in front of me. Uh, appreciate LSU uh, defense. We we definitely got it back with the over. And then, you know, I, I was laying the three with Bama, so I, I'm not going to complain too much. But uh, I think Milrose finished like 10 yards beneath that is over in passing. And there is so often he saw a receiver right in front of him, but he's like, no, no, I'll just sprint past everybody because it's anyway. Because I'm, he's. He's probably better on the open field than the receiver he's throwing to. He's certainly sure. going to weigh more. He's like 225, 230. Like, good good luck to to the secondary pet tackling Milrow there. He's just blowing past people. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, kudos to him. Kudos to Alabama's staff. And uh, LSU's defense just could not be any. Every single week, it just opens your eyes as to how bad they are. Uh, moving to our next one. First Pac-12 game we're going to discuss today. Arizona traveling to... Colorado line in this one uh Arizona we were we were just under 10 I'm showing 10 right now Arizona laying 10 at Colorado Arizona a team streaking uh opening people's eyes they 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 you know UCLA a team you know Chip Kelly in the past you know you know a finesse guy a flash guy UCLA earlier this season playing bully ball on people with the defense, the physical run game, Carson Steele, you know, the Tim Riggins kid they got the tackle break or whatnot. And, and Arizona was like, no, actually we're going to bully you. And they did for four quarters. UCLA wanted no part of that one. They were like, okay, you win uh, uncle. Uh, and so, I, and, and now Arizona going to go in and play this finesse uh, Colorado team. I we'll we'll see how that one goes. Uh, what are you seeing with this one? Now I'm seeing this this line just toggle back down to nine and a half as we're sitting here live. What are you seeing in the market, Froton? Where has this one been moving throughout the day? What's your analysis on this one? Yeah, the line's been fairly static. You know, it's it's been pretty even. Opens up at fifty seven and a half on the total, down to fifty five and a half. You know, I mean, surprisingly ticking down. Probably has to do with Shador. You know, I'm actually a little surprised we haven't gotten more movement. Opened up at nine and a half, like you said, it was at nine. You said it's ticking back up to nine and a half, and I think we're going to see it continue to go up. Uh, Shador, apparently, he's injured. You know, like he, he looked like Kellen Winslow Senior out there yesterday. It was. It was like it, he was going to have to get carried off I, numerous oh. times. I was like, okay, that's the shot that ends it. And then they would like pick him back up, and you know, it was like that. Remember the game at Marshall with um, uh, uh, um. Byron Leftwich, where, you know, he was limping and they would have to carry him down the field when they yeah. get a long pass. Yes. That was like Shadir. You're just getting knocked around. He's clearly injured. Clear, clearly. And that, you know, a lot of that stemmed from the previous game uh, where they played UCLA and the, you know, Layatu and, you know, the Brothers of Destruction on the edge along with Layatu. 
Um, they were they, they sacked him seven times, you know, two weeks ago. I was actually at that game as well during my West Coast swing. And it was a four-alarm fire drill every single pass attempt. And the theory was, as we all know, um, by demoting Sean Lewis, which is which is a stroke of genius on Dion's part. Somehow the offense didn't improve without Sean Lewis at the helm. Go figure. And inserting Shermer as the new play caller, the theory was, well, maybe they'll try to run the ball more. Well, you don't have an offensive line. And you've got 180-pound Dylan Edwards back there. You've got the hanky-panky man, Anthony Hankerson, who is just a blank. He's just a guy. And they ran the ball like 12 times. Last game, where was – they didn't take the heat off of Shador at all after he got mauled against UCLA. I watched it in person. It was, it was uncomfortable. He's injured. He was injured before. He took a shot to play at halftime for UCLA. He comes out. He can barely stand. I mean, I would – I think if you throw him out there against Arizona, who, as we discussed, I mean, they're rolling right now. They look awesome against our Oregon State. You're going to go and expose him to that? It's all, it's under 10 points. Like I can't I can't get into that. And plus you you throw in the the poor coaching from Dion. At the end of the first half, right? Uh Colorado, Oregon State, they had all they had to do, right? They're on like the 3-yard line. All they have to do is run the ball 3 times with 30 seconds left and it's a 7 to 3 game heading into the locker room. Done. They they're they don't have to do anything. Said they come out and throw the ball twice. You know, stopping the clock. Then they run it on third down for some reason, which they just, I mean, Oregon State just goes, you know, Johnson Smith, timeout, get the ball back. 15 seconds later, they score down 14-3. It's like, to say that was an unforced error is a drastic understatement. I mean, they just can't get out of their own way. And with Washington, excuse me, Arizona rolling, Noah Fifida. I mean, can you believe Tedero and McMillan, Noah Fafita, played at the same high school at the same time? I mean, what did that look like in Southern California? Jed Fish, head coach of, of Arizona, just raiding Southern California for, for quality prospects. That team is rolling right now. I, I, I cannot take I, – I could not take Colorado in this position. I think it's a great deal right now, and it's going to climb over 10. Yeah, same. Uh, my line's right around where it is right now, you know, being nine and a half. My, mine's 9.3, but I would not advocate for taking Colorado here. I, I, I mean, I just, does he play yeah. this week? Exactly. Does he stay in the game this week? Exactly. You know, and 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 credit to Shadur for uh, – that is a tough kid. I, I know that there's – you know, he's, he's taking a lot of crap. Uh, Coach Prime's taking a lot of crap, and – you know, maybe, you know, some people argue that they brought it on themselves because they, you know, they they're ostentatious. They they talk a lot. And but they they were trying to bring attention to a one and eleven program that was one of the worst power five programs that we had ever seen before. And they were trying to attract talent to help themselves out. Uh, you know, I mean, forgive them. Um, and and like, you know, for for someone like that, like. This this kid has been uh, beat up to heck this year, and he, you know, again, like he's very clearly playing through injuries behind what is now one of the worst Power Five offensive lines, objectively. Yeah, and and he's he's stranded out there. They're they're playing in these empty sets, or you know, the four wide, whatever. Uh, they're not keeping anyone back to help them, and you know, I mean, they're passing seventy five percent of the time, and. These defenses are just teeing off on him. I mean, he's just being, you know, sacked over and over again or hit over and over again when he gets the ball out, whatnot. 
And the kid uh, stays back there, keeps his eyes downfield, and he will take a shot to unload the ball. Um, extremely tough kid. So I, I, I give him credit, but this is going to be a slog to get to the end of the season. And uh, the slog continues on Saturday. Arizona, we, we were talking about this uh, over the weekend, my, my show with Mike Farrell. The thing that impresses me the most about uh, the Jed Fish thing, when, when it was going on at the beginning, what we talked about was the flashy stuff, getting Delora, getting the uh, skill guys. You got Cowing, you bring in Wiley, McMillan. That, I mean, that, you know, we talked a lot about that one, right? You five-star kid. Oh my gosh. What he did in the trenches though, it didn't get as much ink in the, in the moment, right? He's got all kinds of NFL guys on both trenches, like you, you just sort of like wake up to this fact of like, oh my gosh, like Arizona has, you know, one of the better offensive lines and defensive lines in the Pac-12. Like, when did this happen? Right. And and their skill guys are really, really good. And and then you all of a sudden you realize, like, oh my God, like their skill, their skilled position guys are some of the best in the Pac-12. Fafita may be one of the better quarterbacks in the Pac-12. And and even if he got injured, Delore is pretty good. And then their trenches are. And is Jed Fish one of the better coaches in the Pac-12? And then you're thinking all of a sudden, is this Arizona team becoming one of, or is it one of the better uh, Pac-12 teams? We saw it play with USC. Maybe it should have beaten USC. Um, the, one of the only coaching mistakes that Jed Fish made all season should have gone for two. And, and, and I think, you know, against USC in that overtime, I bet Jed Fish stays up at night thinking about that one. Um, you know, they lost the two games in overtime. If those had gone different, this could have been an entirely different season. I think that Arizona is even better than their record indicates. This Arizona team is so good that the UCLA win, some, some of these wins they've had over good teams are no fluke. They beat the hell out of that UCLA team. That UCLA team wanted no part of them. It's Nobody been no different. UCLA that way all season. That's no. the first time I've seen them take it like that because their defense was, was a top 15 unit heading into the game. And Arizona exposed them. Took it to them. Yeah. Uh, Carson Steele, a guy, you know, UCLA is the team that dominates the line of scrimmage, right? I mean, yeah. they impose their will on other teams. Not in that game. Not yeah. in that game. They, they they got run over. Um, and I think it's coming here, too. Uh, that, and you saw that's, their QBs, too. It, I mean, they UCLA, their line was getting overrun as opposed to what they did to Colorado. Garbers was out. Dante Moore, their five-star freshman, comes in. He got hurt. Like, they were yeah. all over UCLA all game. No running lanes. I think, you know, Steele had under 40 yards rushing, I want to say. His line was set at 76 and a half, which I advocated the under on my show, um, because the running was on the wall. What, I mean, can't say enough about Arizona. And this is a team, Kevin Sumlin was running this team three years ago. You don't get a bigger upgrade in coaching than Kevin Sumlin to Jed Fish, and the proof is in the pudding. Exactly. You almost started to feel bad for Carson Steele. Maybe some blue steel for a time. Some blue steel. (laughs) With that, everyone out there, download the free Betting Pros app for iOS and Android. Follow experts, top-rated bettors, and bettors on hot streaks. Get instant notifications when new bets are placed. Customize your notifications by sports. You only receive alerts for bets that interest you. You can limit alerts so you get only historic, historically ROI positive markets of the betters that you follow. To take advantage of these features and more, download the Betting Pros app by visiting bettingpros.com apps or search Betting Pros in the App Store. 
All right, Ferrell Town, let's hit a few more before we get out of here. Let's stay in the Pac-12. Utah at Washington next Saturday. Line we got on this one, uh, Washington coming off that win, a 10-point win uh, against USC Saturday night. Washington, it was a 10 earlier today. I think this one is toggled down to 9. Washington taking some money here uh, Sunday afternoon. So Washington laying 9 at home in Seattle uh, this coming uh, Saturday. What are you seeing in the market on this one, Proton? Yeah, as discussed, you know, that's moved down from nine. Actually, in terms of circuit, that opened up at 10 and a half mm. at 53 and a half. It stayed pretty much stagnant um, in terms of the, uh, you know, where we're at for that, for where FanDuel opened. So it, it had two different openings. You had Vegas, 10 and a half. You had FanDuel opened at nine. It kind of toggled around in terms of, you know, up until record time to where, like you said, it's it's settled back down to nine at this point after going up a little bit. But the total, you know, I was kind of surprised where it went from 57 and a half down to 53 and a half. You know, a real discrepancy between Vegas and the national books where it, you know, it didn't move much from FanDuel. But, it, you know, there's a four point differential from the two giving you some arbitrage opportunities, at least on the open. Um, Utah, for the first time all year, we, we got an offensive explosion out of them. I mean, you know, they ran 352 yards on the ground. They went for just a classic, you know, Utah wanting to bowl you over and just suffocate you. And they did. You know, you got three touchdowns out of their uh, neophyte quarterback. You know, we will not be seeing Cam Rising. That was by far, I would say, the best offensive performance they've had all year. And they needed it after how they looked against Oregon last week. They needed to get their groove back a little bit. Now, going up there against either going to Husky Stadium, going to Washington, I'm curious to see, as we discussed, this Washington off defense has shown cracks. I mean, you can definitely run on them. You know, the USC didn't even have Marshawn Lloyd. Didn't matter. Austin Jones still went and, and was running no problem. They had no problem on, you know, doing what they needed to against that defensive line. Uh, I'm curious to see if Utah can emulate that and impose their will, you know, uh, on the ground. But what's going to happen when they need to pass? You know, that Washington isn't as bad. You know, they're actually okay in terms of their pass defense. What's going to happen when they have to put the ball in the air? That's the real question for me in this game. Yeah, I know Michael Penix has struggled a little bit in recent weeks, but he has thrown better than Arizona State quarterback Cam Scadabo did on Saturday yeah, yeah. night. Oh, yeah. Cam Scadabo, another under. Gosh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Mega under. Yeah. Uh, Cam on, on his rushing yards. But, yeah, he had to do something. Trent Borgay, uh, he was out after five passes. I mean, his yeah, replacement she, was, sure was a horror show. <laughs> it was a disaster yeah. For, yeah. for Arizona State on all levels of that game. That, that was bad news. Yeah, Jacob Conover was so bad that they were like, yeah, they, they gave him the old hook. It was like Broadway with the with the, the long hook out of there. And then they, they literally put in Cam Scadabo to play quarterback. And and then the coach after the game, Dillingham, was like, yeah, Cam's our, our fifth-string quarterback. So we, we had to put him in. They, they actually put Borgay back in for a little bit. It was yeah, clearly yeah. injured, but you know they were like, "We can't, we can't have any more of Jacob Conover." But yeah, then Jacob they were like, turnover, "Yeah, we... you mean Jacob Turnover is what I call him." Oh, Jacob Turnover, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. Yeah, um, in this one, uh, the, so you know, you have a couple of different things going on where Utah obviously is a better team at home than they are on the road. So you know, you have to bake that in. Obviously, Washington is a better home team than they are on the road. So you, you know that skews towards Washington. 
but uh, you were mentioning the Washington defense thing. Washington's pass defense is way, way, way better than its run defense. So that is a data point decidedly in Utah's advantage that they would prefer a team skewed that way. Washington's run defense, 124th rushing success rate, uh, 130th opportunity rate, 131st in stuff rate. Their, Washington's pass defense, way better. Uh, 49th success rate, 32nd marginal explosiveness, et cetera. So, yeah, 6.2 yards per pass. That's 16th in the country heading in last week. Yeah. So, I mean, Utah is, you know, at least is going to just grind, 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 right? Um, you know, and and so we'll, we'll see how they, they can do that. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, presumably very disappointed that he was inactive in that USC game because he couldn't uh, try to match uh, Dylan Johnson going thermonuclear uh, on Saturday night, you know, in, in, in that game, whatever. Outline dream Dylan Johnson in that game. Nuclear. Yes. Yeah, I mean, both, yeah, both some of the shoddiest run defenses in the entire nation that in in your handicap, those are some of the key uh, things to be looking for in this game. As far as uh, qualitatively with with the value and where is where is this line value like heading into the week? My line is right where Vegas is Uh, right now. uh, You know, this line at, at nine is what I'm showing, like the consensus. My line is Washington minus 9.1. So I'm right there. Um, I I will not be betting this one today. I will be diving into this handicap, though. Um, You know, another thing I want to look into is Penix. Beginning of the season was gangbusters. Some of these recent weeks has played way down, depending on the defensive strategy. And Utah, one of the great defensive uh, coaching staffs that we have in college football over the last 20 years. If some of these other uh, bozo defensive coaching staffs that, that you know that have been out there that have been able to figure out how to slow down Michael Penix a little bit, we're able to do it. Uh, Utah presumably will be able to do it as well. So those are some of the things you know that I will be considering when I head into this handicap. But not enough line value one one side or the other for me to bet this one early. But I think this is going to be a fun handicap to get into this week. We'll be talking more about it later this week. Next game for Tom Florida traveling to LSU. Live line on this one, uh, LSU minus 13. The obvious key thing with this handicap, we'll dive right into that one right now, the status of Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is going to be starting for the Tigers or are you going to get Garrett Nussmeyer? You and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but what do you think in this one and what are you seeing in the market today with this game? Yeah, we're seeing, you know, uh, pretty darn close in terms of the line itself. Opened at 12 like you said, it's at 13 right now. But, you know, the real movement, again, we're seeing a lot of these totals is really where the arbitrage opportunities have been this week. Opened at 67 and a half, down to 62 at time of recording on the duel. And, you know, a lot of that, I got to think, as you mentioned, has to do with Jaden Daniels. Now, Garrett Neusmeyer, uh, when he has played, has been pretty competent. You know, I mean, last year when it was the Max Johnson show, he took over and I frankly, he was better than Max Johnson to the point where people were wondering, you know, is it going to be, is there going to be a, you know, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Jaden Daniels, who was, you know, good at times last year, wasn't as great? Um, or is it going to be Newsmeyer? Is he going to take him over? There was a potential QB controversy Obviously, Jaden Daniels in mobility, he just you know, shot past him, and it was obviously the right call because he's been phenomenal this year. But he is a at least a competent signal caller who didn't transfer after losing the job because he sees himself, after Jaden Daniels leaves because he's a senior, 
taking over the reins next season. So he is a competent quarterback. Obviously, with Florida, uh, you know, you're dealing with Graham Mertz. Eugene Wilson went nuclear. Uh, yeah, he sure week. did. Honestly, the sure best I, I, for for my money, I think he's been, you know, I think he's been the best wide receiver that's a true freshman all year uh, in any respect anywhere. And my gosh, he is explosive. So um, the fact that this went down is clearly on the on the quarterbacks. Uh, get right spot in Baton Rouge for uh, LSU. But uh, again, I think he has got to sit tight and, and wait to see what happens on this. Yeah, it, you know, it's tough with uh, concussion protocol, right? Like we just, we don't know. Uh, you know, you, you never know what the concussion protocol. Um, so like you said, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And you drop from Daniels to, to Nussmeyer, that's a clear downgrade, um, it, which needs to be reflected in the line. And you will see that later this week if Daniels is ruled out. Um, you know, you know, you, you peg that one will be three points, will be three and a half, four. Like, we'll, we'll have to see, but that's that's around where I would have it. Uh, Nussmeyer is a very solid backup. So, you know, I mean, you're not going to get crazier than that. So, some of the, um, you know, like uh, last year when w- with the Chadwell thing, uh, when at, at Coastal, when you went from uh, McCall to Guest, you know, th- like that one, you had a little bit over a touchdown. Like, and, and we've seen some examples of that where, you know, you had the bigger one. It's not going to be quite that high in this case, but you are going to have a, a, a bit of a dip there. I will say, though, on LSU, we have that. Florida, though, it's not like they have a sparkling hell sheet either. Let's get into that one. Uh, I mean, Mertz is fine, but Florida's got issues on the other side. So in, in in the last game for Florida, they play without three defensive starters for the whole game. Uh, leading tackler Shamar James, defensive tackle Cam Jackson, and their defensive uh, end Tyreek Sapp. But during the game against Arkansas, and Froton, as you know, wasn't a particularly impressive performance. Uh, a team in Arkansas that had just fired Mr. Dan Enos, their offensive Mercifully. coordinator, because they couldn't Greg, get out of there. You know, within a week yeah. of each other, it, it, it had to happen. Oh, of course it had to happen. But, they, you know, all season Arkansas couldn't get out of the way offensively. And then all of a sudden they, you know, and of course, a part of it was just getting rid of Dan Enos. But then they, they run into Florida's defense and all of a sudden KJ Jefferson was an NFL prospect again. But, uh, you know, so they, Florida plays without those three defensive starters the whole game. But then during the game against Arkansas, Florida also loses linebacker Jack uh, Pyburn and defensive end TJ Searcy in the second half. You got to monitor the status of those guys. Uh, if Florida's out all five of them in this one, that could be tough for them too. Uh, Absolutely. So you, you, you did whatever they wanted. They scored three points the game beforehand, you know, and they went up and dropped thirty-eight last. Like game. it's freaking Mississippi State. It isn't all Kenny Guyton at OC. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, um, my line, which you know, I mean, take it with a grain of salt because. <laughs> We don't even know who's going to be playing in this game at this point, but uh, I got uh, I got LSU minus fourteen right now. You know, in, in the market right now, LSU minus thirteen. But again, very fluid right now. I I baked in a, a a slight penalty for LSU, slight penalty for Florida based on this, but very provisional. Uh, same way I'm betting the sports books with their stuff, very provisional. And I know that the um, the betters out there, uh, the short, you know, the people in the market that bet this stuff early on Sunday, they're doing what we call speculation betting right now, 
right? Like they're, you know, is, is Daniel's going to play the Florida guys reading tea leaves and then, you know, they're, they're doing what they think might happen. And then we can come back and hit it later, you know, based on this, where's the value, whatnot. We'll have to see again, you know, pay attention later this week for all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, if Daniels doesn't play, obviously you have to downgrade, but you have to keep an eye on, on the Florida defensive stuff as well. S- staying in the SEC for a ton, Mississippi traveling to Georgia uh, uh, next weekend or this coming weekend. Georgia right now in the market, uh, 11 and a half. We, we got, um, let me see if, if this one, ta- uh, so I'm seeing 11 right now. Uh, Georgia coming off of an impressive-ish win over Missouri, didn't cover, um, but that's a frisky Missouri team. Um, and Ole Miss, they they hang on at home uh, to to beat the the fighting Jimbo's uh, of A and M on Saturday. What do you think about about this one, uh, uh, Georgia against Ole Miss? And what were you seeing today in the market with this one? Yeah, I mean, fairly tight in terms of the movement. Really wasn't much. Uh, opened up at minus 12. As you can see, you know, it took a tick down. And 56.5 on the total. It's now up to 58.5. I think a lot of that has to do with, look how Mississippi State just shredded Texas A&M, who had been able to slow down a couple of pretty decent offenses. But, I mean, they, they were no match for Jackson Dart. And Trey Harris and Trey Harris went for 200 on AM. And, you know, Jackson Dart, the guy, the guy deserves a lot of credit. They bring in Spencer Sanders, not Shador, but Spencer Sanders uh, from Oklahoma State. And like, all right, well, maybe we can light a fire under this guy. And, you know, we'll see what we got with Spencer Sanders. I mean, anybody who's watched Spencer Sanders know that that was that was a, a, a long shot to have him beat out Jackson Dart, but they also brought in Walker Howard from LSU, who was a, a borderline five-star recruit, who it's his second year, and you know, a, a, an upgraded QB room. Didn't matter. Jackson Dart has you know, fulfilled the high, uh, you know, the recruiting billing that he had, and he was just masterful that game. I was particularly pretty high on him on the college fantasy front. I have many shares of Jackson Dart. And, uh, you know, pleased to see that. But now they're going up against Georgia. But, you know, Missouri was able to hang with them reasonably. Georgia was in control of that game the whole way through. You know, they able they were able to score a touchdown to kind of close it. Obviously, the backdoor cover out of Missouri, uh, you know, in that game. But Georgia was in control of that game. They looked pretty good. But they're playing a – I mean, this Mississippi offense, this is lame. This is the lane train pulling into the station now in Athens. I do think they're going to be able to score on them. I think that's why you see the tick up from 56 and a half to 58. I don't blame that at all. I think you're going to see a pretty pretty good back and forth. I do like the over here. I do too. Yeah, I mean, you, you got the tempo on the one side with the lane train running one of the fa- fastest tempos in the nation. And then on the Georgia side, we've seen it ever since Brock Bowers went out. Right. Like with when you have Brock Bowers, you have to use him. And the way that that manifested was pounding him with targets in the short to intermediate sector. Right. And then they were an efficiency monster uh, in that regard. But when Bowers, uh, when he got injured, they've been throwing down the field way, way more. And they've, they've been able to uh, spotlight some of those receivers they have. And they have speed both ben in the McConkie. slot now. McConkey is back. And on the outside. Injured early in the season, they brought him back. Soon as what? As soon as Bowers went out. 
lad has been going nuts both these last yeah. two games. And they got love it, you know, and, and you know, the, the outside receiver, you know, again, they got speed and that Carson Beck kid can rip it, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, you have all that different kind of stuff. I, I this, this game profiles is over, by the way, my, you know, right now where I'm looking at the total right now in market 59, my system drops 73 for Oton. 73. You got a couple of premier signal callers, Ooh. even if they don't get the national love. You see out of Drake May, out of Shador, out of Caleb. Both of these two guys, Dart and Beck, have tons of shares of both of them. I have, I have Beck in every single one of my C2C leagues, I believe. And, and like you say, when you got two signal callers, you got the talent level on both sides of the, you know, the offensive units. I'm in. I'm in on that over. Might have to might have to buy a ticket. Might have to buy a ticket. Might have to buy a ticket right when we get off this record. Um, yeah, that that number looks tasty. Uh, moving we to our to get off. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> moving to our next one. ACC showdown in the Sunshine State. Miami traveling to Florida State. Line on this one, 14 and a half. Uh yeah, still sitting at 14 and a half. Florida State laying 14 and a half. Uh, a line that uh, maybe for some people feels a little bit elevated, but, uh, you know, coming off the showing that Miami had yesterday, really rough uh, for, for the old Miami Hurricanes. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, not not looking great right now. And Florida not State, healthy. Not, not looking healthy either. Not looking healthy. Yeah, it's 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 been a rough go for Mr. Tyler Van Dyke for about a month here. And and Florida State, they had, you know, initially uh the Nard Dog and and Pitt, they were, you know, doing some things to slow down uh Florida State for what a, a quarter and a half, uh maybe even a little yeah, bit longer. Head and a half. Yeah, head and yeah. a half. You know, and Trey Benson was a little bit frustrated, you know, and whatever. But then, you know, Florida State got it going and they they did their thing. This one in Tallahassee, like I said, 14 and a half. What have you been seeing with this one, Froton, and which way would you lean in this game? Yeah, it seemed like Norvell went back to his playing days and threw in the cornrows at halftime and said, all right, <laughs> enough is enough. We mean business here. But the problem is, it, uh, well, we'll get into the, the line movement. Uh, open to 52 and a half and minus 13, as you mentioned, that has ticked up and over the key number of 14 uh, and a half, which tells you kind of what you need to know for, with how the, everybody, you know, the market is reacting. Uh, stuck, it's only 51 and a half or so. So the total has stayed relatively stagnant, but both these teams have an injury issues. As discussed with Miami, I watched both the previous of Miami games heading into this week and watched Van Dyke because I'm, I'm a big proponent of Van Dyke. I think he has, he has a huge arm. He's not afraid to test windows. And if you watched him last game, he threw a couple of interceptions, you know, one in particular where he had a guy streaking down the sidelines and he simply underthrew it. And it wasn't a he doesn't have the velocity. He's not hitting those, you know, outside the number throws like I've seen him do for the pre, you know, when he was healthy, pretty much at 21. Like when he's healthy, he rips it. That is not the case. Way too many floaters out of Van Dyke and it really exposed itself this past week. And on the side, Florida State, no Johnny Wilson. Surprise DNP out of Keon Coleman. I mean, where did where did that come from? No, no word of that all see all year uh, week long. So they had to rely a little bit more, like I said, on the running game to a Philly and uh, and Trey Benson. Trey Benson finally ripped one off and you know got his touchdown. Like you said, it wasn't much at halftime. Um, the key offensive injuries are what I'm concerned about here in this game. And I tell you, I, I'm I'm leaning under based on that because Miami's defense is pretty good. 
Florida State is, I mean, Jared versus Covey is stout. I don't know how Miami's going to move the ball particularly well against them, given the kind of limitations. If you look at Van Dyke, I guess he had, you know, the rumor is he had a hand injury, but he's got a knee brace that is, I mean, gigantic. It's taped. It's a big brace, everything, and it's on his plant leg. That's a problem against this defense. Yeah, I'll keep my comment short because you basically hit everything. Like uh, the Florida State receiving core is banged up. The Florida State uh, running game on again, off again. I, I, you and I love Benson. We love Benson. But like, you know, it's sort of been on again, off again. And if Miami's able to load up because, you know, we'll have to see with, with Wilson, with uh, Coleman. And then the, the other kid was out uh, as well, uh, Hakeem Williams. We'll have to see if, if they get them back. But if they don't, who, uh, who Florida State, you know, where they're just going to throw everything to, to Bell? You know, I mean, like, you know, so, you know, it, it could neuter that. Um, they'll be able to load up against Benson and Toa Philly, whatnot. So, you know, it's going to suppress the scoring. I ain't afraid of Miami's uh, offense at all for the reasons that you're stating. Van Dyke does, does not look well. Um, the line is, to me, more or less fair because of that. My, my line's just slightly over that uh, Florida State 15.3, not over a key number. There's there's the health things like we're mentioning. I, I would lean the under for all the reasons that you're stating because of the health stuff, but that's something to monitor for both the over-under and the, the side as we go throughout the week before you bet this thing. Uh, just a couple more, and then we'll get you guys out of here. Tennessee, Froton, traveling to Missouri. Line in this one, uh, just over a pick in this one. Right now in the market, this one been going we, – we got um, – Tennessee uh, laying a point and a half I, I, is, is what we're seeing right now in the market at Missouri. What do you, what have you been seeing with this one for a ton? Which way, way would you lean early in the week? Yeah, pretty, pretty close. Uh, you know, open at one, it's at one and a half, you know, it, it's depending on where you go. It's pretty darn close to that. Um, it has ticked up open at 57 and a half on the total up to 59 and a half. And, you know, with Tennessee for the first half of the season, they were the, you know, the opposite of the, you know, uh, 2022 Tennessee team that was just chucking and ducking. Like they were playing a much more conservative brand of football, you know, riding Jalen Wright, who's who came into the the year as sort of the co-starter, you know, maybe the 1B to Jabari Small's 1A. He has taken that over. They've really leaned on the running game and a pretty good defense. That changed against Kentucky. Because the aforementioned Devin Leary went out and chucked for over 300 yards against them. And that is just not what Kentucky has done all season. Kind of exposed some of the cracks. And when you got this Missouri team, you know, they're at Missouri. Um, as I've, you know, sung the praises of offensive coordinator Kirby Moore, formerly of Fresno State, was there the previous two years. On the, He's a direct descendant of the Kalen DeBoer coaching tree, now the head coach of Washington, and has led that offensive explosion. Um, he has really helped Missouri become more up-tempo, more efficient. Brady Cook has run that offense extremely well. Um, obviously, they didn't weren't able to beat Georgia, but, you know, I can't really knock them for that. They were the 12th team in the nation heading into that game and still put up three touchdowns against, it. you know, the Georgia defense. Uh, it's a re- There's a good reason why this is ticking up. I do like the over here and a couple of teams that I think will be able to score on each other. Missouri, good defense, not a great defense. Um, I think you're going to see some points on the board here. I, I, I like a speculative overshot at 59.5. I think it continues to go. 
Yeah, my my total is sixty two. So we 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 would uh, agree on that one. My my side is, is right where uh, we're at in Vegas. I I'm at uh, Tennessee minus one point seven. So so right there, can Missouri get up off the mat after? You know, I guess a, a nearish miss. They they play Georgia uh, closer than certainly most of the public anticipated heading in. You you miss out on that one. Now you're headed home playing this this Tennessee one. Should be a closer game. Uh, obviously, um, um, you know, a, a shot here to to get up off the mat. Can they? Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, match up a little bit better in this one, you know. Uh, the but you know Tennessee's pass defense is up from where they were last year when when they were a seven in 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 that area. But Georgia elite pass defense, so we'll have to see. And, and Georgia was able to suppress the passing, right? Like I mean, you know, both in terms of Cook and then, uh, you know, uh, Tampa down on on Luther Burden. So those guys should have a better game in this one. Froton, one one more to break down a little bit more in depth. USC uh, coming off the tough one uh, uh, against Washington on Saturday night, and their first game in the post Alex Grinch era, traveling to Oregon. Man, the road don't get any easier for USC, does it? Uh, Oregon right now in the market, 14.5-point favorite in Eugene. Got a total in this game in the market, 73 and a half. So we're going to we, – we have another profile of a shootout for the, the new interim defensive coordinator at USC. What, what's been going on with this game in the market today, and what would be your early week angle on this game? Sure. Well, I, I think the it's funny. The total open to 73 and a half. And like you said, it's 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 hung right there, which is kind of rare for a game of this sort of a magnitude. You know, we, we've seen a lot of flip flopping, but where the movement was here is open at 17 at Circa, you know, down at that 14, 14 and a half range right now. That's a pretty sizable move, obviously approaching, you know, going from key number down to key number. Um you know, it just says that the market, maybe the market does believe in the Alex Grinch, uh, you know, firing or whatever have you, and that USC can score with Oregon because they haven't had a problem scoring. You know, obviously, as we all know, we I don't need to get into that. But Oregon's defense, you know, they've been pretty damn good, too. 15th in EPA per play um, in terms of yards per pass, 6.3. So it's going to be a case of can USC run the ball against this Oregon defense? And try to take a little bit of the heat off of Caleb, who, you know, he's, I mean, bless the guy. He has been running for his life, you know, for a good portion of the season. The the offensive line hasn't done him, you know, many great shakes in that respect. But he's just so mobile and so good. Um, you know, I, I lean that over, even though it hasn't moved, just because of the magnitude of these two offenses. Uh, and that, you know, I, I don't know if you can really look at the Alan Grinch, you know, firing and say, all right, well, all is going to be well now at USC. Yeah, you know, uh, Alex Grinch getting getting let go today and took a lot of criticism. Some of it fair, uh, some of it not. You know, one of it I, I wasn't sure about was, you know, the, some people said that, that he wasn't consistent, you know, but I, I, I'm not sure about that. Last year they were 87th SP plus defense. This year, they're the 87th SP plus defense. So can you really say he wasn't consistent? A model of consistency, you could argue. Exactly. Um, the the two. So they're going with co-defensive coordinators in, where do we have that? Uh, uh, Sean uh, Nua, their defensive line coach, and Brian Odom, the linebacker coach, will be co-defensive coordinators the rest of the season. 
I don't really think that's going to matter. Uh, I, I don't really see that defense getting any better or worse. Really what they need to do is get better players in the off season. I honestly, I, th- I think, that, you know, it's honestly my really what my take it's, it's what my take is a Brian Ferentz at Iowa. That It's not really a Brian Ferentz thing. It's a Kirk Ferentz thing in the same way. This isn't really an Alex Grinch thing to me. It's more of a Lincoln Riley thing. Lincoln Riley needs to prioritize getting in more defenders in the portal, as opposed to fetishizing all of his, you know, the, the shiny offensive stuff and, and like whatnot when he when he's going out and, and shopping for players in the summer. And in the same way that Kirk Ferentz, it's a strategic thing of of shifting, you know, like everything with, with Kirk Ferentz, it's 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 let's set up the defense to be in the best possible position, you know, like in game as opposed to the up. So Brian Ferentz will never play up tempo. He will never go for it on fourth down, right? Be, you know, because he's not going to leave the defense stranded. Right. So he's fine doing the, the we'll, we'll go, you know, the, the three uh, downs and then we'll, we'll punt it back to you at the, you know, year 40. So we'll, you know, because we have the awesome punter and Tory tail, you're, we're going to give it to you at the two yard line. And then, you know, you're going to go three and out. You'll give it back to us at the 40. We'll do it again. And eventually you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and, you know, and then we'll get our points that way. It's the same thing here. Uh, you know, last last offseason, Lincoln Riley finally threw uh, Grinch a couple bones with Bear Alexander, Mason Cobb, and then he had Bullock as well. But there there needs to be a little bit more. I'm not going to, you know, you know, do it, do a whole thing of like, you know, uh, the whole defense of uh, Grinch, because it's not like I thought he did like a fabulous job. But USC does need to get more talent there. Th- this is more a thing of like USC's defense is not turning around this year because Alex Grinch is going out the door. They're going to get lit up here um, in the same way the Cal got their doors blown off defensively last week. Froton, Mia culpa or not Mia culpa. I uh, uh, praise to you for uh, your call of Bo Nix last week. Froton not only was calling for the over on Bo Nix's passing yardage uh, this past week, and I believe. If I'm recalling correctly, I think it was 273 and a half in the market on Saturday. Settled, yes. But Froton was banging the table for the ladder all the way up on the outlines. The Max 285, it. the 295, the 305. Froton, where did he, Bonex end up finishing against Cal? Uh, well, you know, 325, it was the max out in terms of his, uh, you know, his ladder play, his outlines, which have been pretty profitable this year, frankly. Um, but they, he ended up in the three fifties and when it comes to, you know, the three twenty five, that was a plus three seventy play against, as we discussed, I mean, it was, that was coming whether you, whether, you know, you liked it or not, there was no (laughs) way that the offense was going to slow down in that particular contest, you know, against Cal. Cal has been getting humped all season long. But they've been scoring just enough. The Latin lover, Fernando Mendoza, <laughs> just enough, you know, to be able to like keep. All right, and they did it perfectly. Like they were they were down thirty five to you know like thirteen, but then you know you're like, oh no, they're gonna take Bo Nix out. He might only hit the two seventy three. Oh no, 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 don't worry. Cal scored nineteen, just enough to make him keep the foot on the gas, and, and that's the beauty of Cal and taking over positions against them. They can't play D, but they can do just enough, thanks to Jake Spavital on offense, to keep it interesting and to keep your overs rocking. Great call by you there. Uh, this might be the game where Bo Nix, you know, it's like the 92% uh, completion, and Bucky Irving is the guy with uh, 
the latter against that, that USC run defense where, where Bucky Irving has the Dylan Johnson game, you know, or it's like the 250 yards and, and five yeah, I touchdowns. Wish I Dylan Johnson. I thought I looked at Dylan Johnson. I'm like, well, it's USC's run defense. I didn't put it out. That's that's on me. And Dylan Johnson was on my bench in the 50 teamer. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm never going to get over that. Um, but yeah, so my, my line in this one is, you know, we got 14 and a half in the market. My, my line is, is Oregon minus 13.4. Uh, is a fair line, right? I mean, you know, especially with the the um, the things up in the air with the USC defense, they're going to have to make some adjustments there. USC, are they going to quit now, right? I mean, everything that they wanted, uh, you know, with the season, it, that's done now. Uh, obviously, now you, you take the third loss and whatnot. And Oregon, they got everything to play for, baby. You went out, Oregon, you're going to the CFP. It just is what it is. So everything is in front of Oregon. Everything is is done for USC. The over is that that would be it for me here. Uh, my my system put out a a, a total on this one eighty six point eight. Last week, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know seventy three and a half is what it is in the market. And some people out there might be like, "That's ludicrous. That's stupid." My system basically put out the exact same line, uh, the total for the USC Washington game last. In fact, I think it was eighty nine, um, and you know, what's ninety two? Yeah, yeah. What, what what did that one end up getting to? It was some yeah ninety two. Yeah, I actually so, saw a live line during the game. I think right around halftime, one hundred five right? and a half. Yeah, so yeah, they, it blew my mind. But it, what are you going to do? You know, that that's how the game was trending. My gosh. Yeah, I'm in, and of course, Oregon's going to get out in front here, and then USC is going to have to do the the hurry up and, and let's just go for it and try. The the only thing that could impede this thing in any way is Oregon, of course, is going to just run, right? Like, and that's where Bucky Irving is. He's going to be climbing. It's going to be shoots and ladders for, you know, with, with our props, with, with old Bucky. And then that's why, you know, I'm Bo Nix, I, I don't know if it's going to be his ladder game or whatever, but that's why, you know, it, Bo Nix, it's going to be one of those things where it's all of his easy throws. And that's why, you know, his completion percentage has, has gotten ludicrous in this system when they get ahead and it's just all these easy throws and whatever. But um, I'm not touching the side of that one. I, I do like the over for the reasons that I stated. Um, Froton, this has been a lot of fun. It's all the time we got uh, for today, but good times. Next week, uh, Mr. Welsh is going to be back, but I, I hope we did good without the teacher in today. I hope we didn't get in, in, in trouble. The, the principal didn't have to be called in uh, at least, so I, you know we didn't get in trouble. That's Eric Froton. You can follow him at CF Froton. CF, did, did I say that right, Froton? Correct. CF. Just, just two Fs, CF Froton. I should have picked a more... You know, easy Twitter handle back in the day. CF Froton on Twitter dash X. I am Thor Nystrom. You can follow me at Thorku. We will see you next time next week back with Mr. Welsh. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Betting Pros podcast. Follow us on X and TikTok at Betting Pros and Instagram at Betting Pros NFL. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash betting pros.